You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle 107.9. Bit of a different uh, voice is probably the one that you're hearing of mine this morning. Uh, Penny and the crew, um, well, they're out and about playing football this morning. So it is myself, Blaine Treadgold, uh, in the driver's seat. And I've got to admit, it's all just a little bit different in here at the (laughs) moment. Uh, I've got Pete alongside me. Uh, Big good morning to you, mate. Morning, mate. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm still just working out. It's it's a little bit like a spaceship in here. (laughs) Just trying to work. A lot more controls, a lot more panels. Well, there's a lot going on, let me tell you. Uh, We're here, of course, all thanks to our partners at futsalwa.org.au, our Perth Premier Futsal Competition, and, of course, Auswest Fencing and Wrought Iron Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Plenty to get through this morning. Uh, We're not too far away from our first guest, Kim Hawkins is going to join us now, Pete. She is from the Perth Glory FRG, the Fan Representative Group. Now, impressive sounding acronym. It is Sarah, straight away. She, she, yeah. I, I know Kim well, and she's got a lot of titles. And this is just one of the many hats that Kim wears. She's a very, very busy lady. But I guess ultimately, this is a fan consultation yep. panel yep. that has been brought together. Um, of course, it was kind of born out of some of the controversy around the A League yep. about the consultation with the fans. So I guess this is a positive that this is now in place. We can go and say, hey, what do you think about this? What can they think about this? So each club has basically got an FRG, a fan representative group, okay. and Kim is the chair of Perth Glories. That, that's beautiful because a big part of the um, the A League advertising in the past has obviously been the the fan culture, the fan, you know, the shed and all the other supporter groups, and yet at the same time, as we know, the the football Australia did tend to crack down a little bit on people, well, celebrating too much, shall we say? Well, yeah, I mean, there's different ways that we can look at it, but I think ultimately, the controversial grand final decision when the fans went, oh my second, god, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, 
who actually wants this? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not catering to your biggest stakeholder, who are you catering exactly. to? Yeah. Um, and we know there's you know, economic kind of needs for the league and everything else like that. There's, there's commercial realities. Oh, yeah. And um, I think the, the compromise they've come up with is, is a good one. The uh, What do they call it? The Unite Round? Yeah. Where, okay, we're going to play one round, all the games in Sydney, and make that the event. I've got no problem with that. No, no. We'll get a little bit deeper into that with Kim in just a few minutes' time. Uh, Simon Hill, the voice of Australian football, thanks to the 10 Network and Paramount Plus. We'll catch up with Simon a little bit later on in this hour. Uh, After 11, Alex Lalovich is going to join us. He's the Football West Futsal Chair. Now, plenty of talk about futsal. Uh, It's hugely popular. It it doesn't get much recognition, I'd probably say, in a commercial and an overall sense. Correct. But in terms of people just getting out and wanting to have a casual kick, it's huge. I dare say it's possibly bigger than outdoor football if you look at, you know, your Tuesday night indoor soccer leagues around the place and... Absolutely. So we'll catch up with uh, with Alex and a little bit later on, uh, a huge name in local football, uh, Graham Normo Normanton. Uh, he's going to join us and we'll have a bit of a chat. Um, I understand he just took the Subiaco Amateur Women to the top of the league last okay. season. Yep. I hope I've got my information correct there. I was about going to ask you who he's coaching. He'll, so, he'll, be, yeah. he'll be quick to correct us. Don't worry about that. <laughs> It's the good thing about uh, Normo. He's not uh, he's not backwards and coming forwards. So there's plenty to get through. Uh, a little bit of news out of this week before we get stuck in. Uh, big win for the Socceroos. Oh, fantastic win. Well, expected win. But, yeah. You know, uh, not to be over overconfident because we're all football fans. We've all seen the times when we've been sure that it's a dead set easy win and it's not. Um, but at the same time, we should be beating Bangladesh and we did. Um, and last time we played Bangladesh here, it was actually here in Perth, and I was trying to remember the score. I think it was a 5-0 win that time. Uh, yeah, it was in HBF Park. Yeah, I yeah. think, was it Rogic scored a bit of a screamer from outside the box yes. in front of the shed from memory? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, if I remember correctly, by the end, the crowd good-naturedly was actually cheering the Bangladeshian team when they managed to string a few passes together. It was... You Isn't know, that the, great when that happens? And we yeah. saw that a little bit with the Matildas when they played Chinese Taipei. Yes. And I, I think what people really appreciate is the fact that, you know, you know that you're going up against it uh, without any disrespect, a minnow side. Yeah. But you just want to see a good game. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, I mean, they were comprehensively beaten, but I thought they defended for their lives, that Chinese Taipei side. And when they went around the yep. ground... The shed were all up singing for them and and, yeah. and clapping them and applauding them. So yeah. I think that's it was really really Fantastic. good to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a few other things. Um, well, in that Socceroos um, match, um, Graham Arnold sets the appearance record for a yes. manager yes. of fifty nine A internationals. He takes the mantle away from his good mate and former Socceroos coach in Frank Farina. Really, Frank Farina was coached yeah. that long. Wow, yeah. I never actually realised that. It, it seemed long at the time, let me tell you, because the, the results weren't good. But yeah, I think uh, yeah. when we look back at Frank Farina, I think we probably look back and uh, remember that he was the man at the helm when we famously knocked off England at yes. Upton Park in yes. 2003. I well, think. he was also, he would have been then when we also got the third place at the Confederations Cup. Did we get third? Yes, that we got third. That was at the, the one where. 2005. Was that 2005? Was he still coaching then? Yeah, I think, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we sort of had this reputation of like doing quite well um, in everything except World Cup qualifying. You know, Australia played well. You know, we 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 
made semi-finals of the under 19s or the under 21s World Cup. Yeah, we've you know did well in the Confeds Cup, and then just every time the World Cup came around, it was heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. Well, that's that's true, and Which now thankfully we, isn't. Well, yes. and w- what was fantastic um, is that in the week um, we actually recognised uh, 50 years since we qualified for 1974. Yes. So yes. there was a. Uh, well, I don't know if it was a state dinner as such, but there was a reception at the Sydney Down Hall uh, recognising all the 1973-74 Socceroos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what was fantastic is they included the original Matildas, the 1975 oh, Matildas fantastic. in that as well. So I think that's really... Uh, yeah. Football has got a little bit of a tainted history in recognising its history, Yeah, if you yeah. like. We're not good at that. And people don't realise just how... Well, shall we say the non-followers don't realise just how much history it does have. In this country and in this state, well, oh, well, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can go back to the the late eighteen hundreds as yeah. far as the first football being played, and uh, in fact, there's there's quite a significant not only in Australia but there's quite a significant history of um, women's football as well. It yeah. was unfortunately, I think it was FIFA or whoever was before FIFA who actually. Um, I think the English, the English Association, well, outright banded. That's right. Yeah. That's that's what it was at the time. I guess before the formation of FIFA. So, uh, yeah, great to see the Socceroos and Matildas recognised. Uh, of course, some big news throughout the week. Um, South Australia's teen sensation Nestor Aaron Kunda yes. sets an Australian transfer record with a move to German giants Bayern Munich for a reported five point five million dollars Australian. Fantastic. He and I, I loved watching him play, um, except when he was playing against the Glory. Uh, in fact, I remember that uh, that game last season, the four-all draw, where I was in the shed with a couple of lads that weren't Glory regulars or weren't A-League following regulars. And when Aaron Kunda came on, I said, this bloke's good. We need to watch out for him. And yep. two minutes later, he equalised it at four-all. He's, he's got a bit of a... You notice with these players that that's that low centre of gravity, it's that real nuggety, it's hard to knock off the ball yeah, and yeah. male, female, whatever, you generally find some really good players with that low centre of gravity that are just so, so good. That that must be the reason why I'm no good at football. I'm just too tall. Too that's, tall. That's my yeah. excuse. I'm a bit I'm a bit tall and lanky too, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, A-League uh, women this weekend. No, A-League men due to the international break. A-League women and Perth Glory in action tonight. Yeah, against Melbourne Victory. So I believe that means our... Our co-host Miranda's back in town. So, hello, Miranda, if you're listening. I'm sure she will be. I hope you're sure she will be. She better be. And another prominent West Aussie returning home, in inverted commas, Lydia Williams will be in the side as well. So, um, geez, it's going to be a tough match for the Glory Girls. Well, you know... Once you're on top of the table, that's when you've got the uh, the target on your back. And, well, that, 100%. That's exactly right. So uh, I'm looking forward to that tonight, and we'll go through I guess, a few other bits and pieces and uh, fixtures and everything else. Um, but we will acknowledge and um, big time is the contributions of uh, Tash Rigby, who will celebrate yes, 100, 100 appearances for the club. She, to me, is like the... She's akin to, I guess, the Jesse Wag stuff at the Wildcats, the John Walsfold at the, at the, you know, that spiritual leader, the Jamie Harnwell at the, the men, Jamie Harnwell Perth at Glory the men. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that when you think about the Perth Glory, she's one of the first that comes to mind. Yeah. See, the annoying thing for me is I've just looked it up on my website and I've got her listed as ninety-eight appearances so far. So, whether I've missed one somewhere or whether the club's got it wrong, it's probably more likely I've missed one, but. Um, <laughs> I have I have caught them out before on the uh, you know the official sites where they've said you know this is such and such as whatever number of appearance yep. for the for for Perth Glory and I'm like oh 
don't cup matches count because he also played half a dozen games in the FFA Cup. Um, but, yeah, no, that's just me geeking out. Yeah. <laughs> no problem at all. Hey, Pete, what we'll do, mate, is we'll take a quick break. We'll take a bit of a breather, yep. um, gather our thoughts. And uh, on the other side of this, it will be uh, Kim Hawkins, the uh, the chair of the Perth Glory Fan Representative Group. Back after this, you're on the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal, and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. The feeling when Glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Suddenly everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering, yelling and flag waves. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Oswest Fencing and Royal Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258 6822. Station sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware, components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au 
Yeah, welcome back to the World Football Program here on Radio Fremantle 107.9. Blaine Treadgold in the chair for Penny uh, this morning. There's a little bit going on. Um, Pete is with me this morning. Where is everyone this morning? I Pete? don't know. Penny did mention that she was playing football this morning. So All right. Saturday morning football. Mate, oh, be- beautiful day for they it. They may have put a team into themselves. You know, they're just playing by, by themselves. And well, they might yeah. be out playing futsal, as we've been saying. Well, everyone likes to get out and play a bit of futsal exactly, across yeah. the weekend. Hey, um, everyone likes to um, have a bit of a say on what's going on in the football world as well. But yep. uh, I guess there's certain ways that we can go about it, Pete. And, and there are can... ways now, yeah. There's certainly ways about it. And uh, I guess one way that um, you can express your concerns now is uh, through the club FRGs. And that is the club fan representative groups. I hope I've got all these buttons right. It's <laughs> got, a bit, got a bit of a... Uh, a um, Echo back there, but um, hey, with us is the chair of the Perth Glory Club fan representative group. We've got Kim Hawkins with us, and uh, I'll just see if I can connect her through. Have we got you there, Kim? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, there we go. They it's always a... give that little pause before they answer. <laughs> it's all working for me. Uh, yeah, uh, Kim, welcome. Um, What's happening down there at the uh, the FRG at the moment? If you just give, uh, I guess, the listeners more so, just a bit of a, a synopsis on what the Perth Glory Fan Representative Group is all about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's really good to, to have a chat about what we're doing. Uh, yeah, so the um, Australian uh, Professional League, the APL, um, asked each club to put together a uh, representative group that um, you know they could use to, to put ideas past, so with the Perth Glory, they um, put out an expression of interest and a whole heap of interested people applied and um, 10 of us were selected and they've called us the Glory 10, which we're pretty honoured by that. Um, and then I've been elected the chair. So um, work sort of only just beginning for us. Uh, we've had a couple of meetings and, um, you know, we're, we're starting to, to get in there, get our hands dirty a bit. We've put together some terms of reference so we all understand where we are, who we are, and really keen to sort of get going, yeah. Kim, I I guess just a little bit of a a clarity and disclaimer because both myself and yourself are involved with the Football Supporters Association of Australia, which I guess runs a little bit independent to this. So just to throw that one out there, but um, what are the the goals of the the fan representative group? What, What do you hope to achieve overall? Well, I think we hear all the time we want Perth Glory to go back to the glory days, you know, for want of a better word. And, you know, what does that look like? What do we need to do? Um, we know there's been some turmoil recently. I mean, there's, there's no denying, uh, you know, ownership uh, challenges has, has really hurt the club. But, you know, we're all committed, dedicated fans or supporters, and we just want to make sure that glory keeps going. And, you know, our focus really is to try and, build the communication between fans and the club. And, you know, the club have been so supportive and receptive to um, our ideas, you know, during the meetings, you know, so much engagement when their sort of jobs or livelihood or whatever it might be are a little bit up in the air, you know. So through this tough time, um, we're there to help support. We also want to, you know, encourage suggestions to improve match day experiences for people. Um, And so... We're keen to get feedback. Um, we're about to send out a survey and we'd really love people to tell us, you know, what do they want to see? What do they want to happen? You know, what does it look like for them? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, the big word is consultation. And we, we, I guess, opened with this this morning and many felt, particularly over the last maybe 12 to 18 months, there was a real lack of consultation with particularly uh, the fans. And of course, then we had the... Um, we had the grand final, um, I guess, decision and then reversal where the fans just felt, hey, we, we haven't really been consulted here. So I, I guess how does this all link in with what we really hope to get out and, and how the fans can put their, their voices forward as a collective? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's opportunities. We'll, we'll be sending out surveys to members, but we're also keen to try and engage people that, you know, they used to come years ago. They haven't been for a while. Yeah. You know, why not? What what would bring you back? What, you know, we've got to support our local club um, through thick and thin, and it's important that people have an opportunity to talk about what that experience means for them. So, we, you know, apart from the survey, there'll be um, other opportunities. So one of our strategies is to attend, um, you know, a men's game and a women's game, set up tables at the entrance and really talk to fans. You know, what is it you want? What do you miss? What... What do you want to tell the club if you had the opportunity? And so, you know, we're really there to listen. We're volunteers and, you know, we're there because we love this club. And our group has a really diverse group of people who are so passionate about the game and we all come with different experiences. And so, you know, capitalising on all of that to make sure we get glory where we all want it to be. How do we ensure that this isn't just a box ticking exercise and then things actually get implemented if if you like Kim is is that going to be a little bit of a battle within itself no I'm the chair and I want to see things done sure, sure. <laughs> you, well, uh, you know me Blaine yeah no, and that's that's exactly what I guess and I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here because sure. we unfortunately yeah. we have seen that in the past that yeah. yeah it all sounds nice and rosy and everyone's listening but nothing actually changes yeah yeah, yeah. and I think people have got to be realistic you know sure. about what they ask for what they want but our, our focus is to provide that platform to get the feedback, put it together. We've started our own little um, centralised actions and suggestion blog. So if people can put that through, we'll talk about it at our meeting. We will put it to the club and the club is so open to having those conversations. But they've got to be things that are within the control of the club, mm. you know, and within the control of the environment that we're in. Um, and the people have to be realistic and it is going to be a step-by-step process. But, you know, this group of 10 people, uh, the Glory 10, are here to get stuff done, you know. And so we want to see action. We've got actions. We've got them documented. Um, our agendas and minutes go through to the APL for the, them to have a look as well. So, you know, I think the actions speak louder than words and it isn't going to be a talk fest. We want things done. How often are the meetings? We're meeting monthly at the moment. Okay. Um, at, yeah, the, the APL sort of stipulated perhaps four meetings a year, but we just don't feel that's enough. Yep. And we have to remember, you know, where Perth Glory are at at the moment with um, obviously ownership changes and, um, you know, new coach new, new um, coach coming in. And, you know, that's really brought some positivity to the, to the club as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just really, I mean, my message is we've really got to engage with the fans, the supporters, and get that feedback, get the action happening, and we're here to listen and and you know t- take those steps. Just just back on, I guess one of your previous points there, Kim, and you you say that it, uh, 
for these actions to be implemented, they've got to be going, I guess, through the right channels and they've got to be, you know, reasonable actions yeah. as well. But I guess we often still hear about, oh, what's the what's Football Australia doing about the A-League clubs? And mm. obviously there's a bit of a lack of education yeah. there when actually who's controlling what and what can actually be done. Is that part of the role, I guess, in a of the FRG is to, I guess, really educate people on just how it all sits and how it all fits and how it all works together? Yeah, I mean, it's a two-way communication, isn't it? I mean, as a group, we're there to um, listen to the club. If they've got some ideas, they can, you know, throw them on the table with this group and we would go out broader. Um, All all of the chairs of each... or the chair of each club also meets um, as a group with the APL. So we've got opportunities to put ideas forward there. So, for example, we were approached to see what our views were, you know, around the, the Unite round that's planned for Jan- um, January. Mm. So, you know, for fans that wanted to travel over to Sydney, what would it look like? So we said, you know, we need cheaper airfares, we need accommodation, we want fan-dedicated spaces. So, you, you know, it, it, it's happening. We just need to keep the dialogue going. Um, and, it, and we've got the opportunity as well to put things on the table to the APL um, as part of their strategy as well. So, you know, we, it, it is very open and um, I think we've got a really good group of national chairs who are all about accountability. I've really sensed that in the meeting. So, you know, I, I, I feel very optimistic about um, this process and what we can achieve. But, you know, I'm not afraid to put things on the table and if it's you know, realistic, absolutely. I will definitely be advocating for, for Perth glory at that national level. Um, but in the same same way that the APL can put things back to our group and say, you know, go back to your clubs and ask what they think about this. So it's, it, we're all just there to listen. Yeah. And well- act. Exactly, exactly. Uh, We're with Kim Hawkins, who is the chair of the Perth Glory Fan Representative Group. Uh, Kim, I guess diversity is always a a topic of discussion and and making sure that we're getting the views uh, and a wide range of views, whether it's people that sit up there in the family stand, whether it's the the ones that are a little bit more energetic in the shed, uh, whether it's your top class and platinum members or or anyone else who might have a little bit of a uh, a, a, a view on, on on something, how has this? I guess, how has this panel been put together? How's this committee been put together, and ensuring that we're, we're we're ticking as many of those diversity boxes as we possibly can? Yeah, well, I mean, even as a group, you know, we're a diverse bunch, come from a whole different range of backgrounds and interests, um, and you know, I think we've got a really good mix of people um, with that, you know, within the group. Our, our focus is to look at channels that exist. So, you know, we've got the obviously the Shed Supporters Club and the president also sits on the fan um, group as well. So it's about trying to tap into those those groups that you just mentioned. And I think by, you know, setting up this, the, the, the tables at the ground and, and really engaging with people as they come in, you know, we'll walk around. We're hoping to get some sort of um, T-shirt or something that shows people or tells people that we're part of the Glory 10. Come talk to us, you know. So we'll be we'll be using every channel possible to try and talk to people, whether that's the website. Um, I mean, I know emails, people get a bit sick of <laughs> surveys you know, constantly coming through email. But that's going to be one of our challenges, you know, how do we engage with every cohort to make sure um, we're capturing all of the ideas and feedback 
And obviously you're still finding, I, I guess, your feet. It's a relatively new kind of concept to have this yeah. all. But what, what's what's on the cards, I guess, initially? What can people look forward to where some of your focus might be in the initial stages of this? Well, I guess for us, you know, within our terms of reference, we've really um, bedded down what our purpose is and what the objectives of our group is. And, you know, it's about building membership. You know, we want to go back to the days where we could, you know, fill a stadium and, and, and it becomes, you know, a bit of a cauldron again. Um, we want to make sure that there's new ideas and feedback. I mean, it's not about just, okay, this is wrong, this is wrong, we don't like this. We want to know, okay, what can we do to actually improve and get people along? Yeah. So, you know, trying to be positive and optimistic at the same time, um, making sure that we um, have the right platforms so that people can engage, you know, not just, being passive about it, but actually trying to really use strategies to engage more broadly. Um, and then, you know, really advocating for glory as we work with the APL moving forward. It is an interesting time uh, there, Kim. And uh, <laughs> well, it? it is because it's, I guess it's the, there's just been a little bit of a shift and I, I think yeah. it's a shift in the right direction there because it, it does show that there is some con- real concern about certain things but also that there uh, there needs to be plenty of voices on this and as i said yeah. earlier the biggest voice of the lot is, is the fans it's it's, it's the biggest stakeholder group there is in in professional without, football without the fans there's no game well there's no professional yeah. game yeah. put it that way yeah, um so yeah it, it is quite interesting um anything else that, that that's kind of going on that you wanted to raise kim before we let you go no just that you know people have got to be patient and yeah. And, you know, stick with glory, you know, when you're a fan. And I'm a West Ham fan too, so I've been through the thick and thin up and down. And I know you have Blaine as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, this is our our game and we need people to come along. We need people to bring their kids along, their their parents along, really make it a family um, day, support the women. You know, we've got on the back of the Matildas, we've got all this great leverage, let's keep going and, you know, get the passion back to where we, we've had it and I think we're on the on the path to do that. And Kim, just before we let you go, if people did have any concerns, they wanted to reach out to yourself, they wanted to put a, forward a suggestion or maybe they've got a little bit of a grievance they'd like to wear, how can they get in, in touch with you? Sure, I would suggest they contact um, Perth Glory in the first instance. And then that will come back. But we will be putting up very soon a link to a survey and um, that feedback can be captured there. So through the usual channels, I guess. But like I said, we'll be at a game soon. We'll be really promoting that on the socials. Mm -hmm. And come and say hi. You know, you'll notice us. We'll probably have a clipboard. We're really keen to talk to people. We want to, you know, we want to really push the club forward and get people coming back to the game. Absolutely. Mm. Hey, Kim, thanks for giving yeah. us a, a few minutes this morning, uh, especially on this uh, this bright Saturday where you'll probably be out uh, doing something else. <laughs> no, it's all good. I was, I was interested and really happy to talk to you guys. And, you know, probably the last thing I want to do is just really, you know, we've talked about glory, but it's really important that we also um, promote the, the Football Supporters Association because that's a national group. And I think, you know, with all of these little parts coming together, we can really get our game where it needs to be. Absolutely. Thanks for your time this yeah. morning. No worries. Cheers, Blaine. Take care. There we Thanks. go. That is... Um, I think I've got that right. Uh, that is uh, 
Kim Hawkins, the chair of the Perth Glory Fan Representative Group. So uh, great and to a, have... a link for that has been put on our Facebook group. So if you very good caught your, caught your attention, you want yep. to read more about it, see yep. who they are. There's a few familiar na- faces uh, and names there. And as I said, I think it's a, and it's it's going to be a little bit of a rough step to yep. get all this in place. But I think once those channels are streamlined and those communications are all intact, I, I think it can only be a positive thing. Yeah, and I did notice Kim also mentioned, you know, fans and supporters. Did you actually come up with the definition of what the difference between a fan and a supporter is? Well, this is, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because and I was kind of in the middle of a writing a little bit of a piece and I, I was just kind of brainstorming a yep. little bit. I think it depends on your background, mm. what your interpretation of a fan or a supporter is. When I think of a fan, I think of someone who, yeah, they admire, they probably favour yep. a team in this in football's instance. But then we talk about Justin Bieber fans and Taylor yeah. Swift fans. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, not sure supporter, that. Yeah, but I'm not sure that they'd be out. Um, you know, I, I think when we look at a supporter, I think the theme that many people came up with was there's a bit of a, a sacrifice there. There's a real effort made. Yep. There's an investment, yep. I think, yeah, I is think probably I, I the right word, that. whether it's financial, time, effort, yeah, um, yeah, whatever it might be. But then, of course, there's been a conversation that's that's been had um, through the Football Supporters Association about, hey, do parents count as supporters? Do volunt- club volunteers count as supporters? Yep. Because essentially yep. they support the game. They do, they do. Be it financially, good, good, be it... Good, well even if not financially, yeah. like you say, with your time, with your effort, yeah. that can be more valuable than money as well. So, so. Do the, does that come under the fan or does that come under the clubs? This is what I'm yeah. saying. If it, It's really, really hard to, I guess, segmentise, uh, if that's even a word. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and not that we're trying to put labels on, but we're trying to make sure that any communications is coming from the right area and getting, more importantly, going to the right going area. Going to the right area, yep. So it, yeah, it's an it's interesting good. conversation. Uh, you're with Blaine Treadgold uh, this morning on the World Football Programme. Pete's alongside me, Radio Fremantle 107.9. Big thank you to Kim Hawkins. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, Simon Hill's going to join us. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au Oswest Fencing and Raw is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. 
Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Time. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Do we really believe they come from somewhere else? Leagues in far-off lands. Galaxies full of superstars. What if they were made right here? In the city streets and sun-drenched suburbs. Small towns and home grounds. Our parks and pitches aren't just rectangles of dirt and turf. They're fertile grounds where greatness is unearthed. Where rugged was raised, where curls grown. Even if they end up there, they all start here. In front of our eyes and hearts. And right here is where you'll find the next one. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Yeah, welcome back to Radio Fremantle's World Football Program. All thanks to our, our partners, futsalwa.org.au, Perth's premier futsal competition at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Blaine and Pete in the studio. We're cruising through. Great to have a chat with Kim Hawkins from the Perth Glory Fan Representative Group and just seeing what's that all about at the moment. But uh, we turn our attention to what's happening on the field, Pete, because it's a uh, pleasure to be joined by 10 Football Commentator, Paramount Plus, the voice of Australian football, (laughs) as he's always referred to, Simon Hill. A big good morning or good afternoon to you. Morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, very, very well, mate. Um, a fair bit going on in uh, in the football space at the moment. I guess we'll start with a little bit of the, the Socceroos. Uh, oh, a good yeah. win for Graham Arnold's side. Yeah, probably predictable uh, with the greatest respect to Bangladesh. I don't think, uh, unless the Socceroos were particularly below par, that they were going to cause them any problems. And uh, that's certainly the way it played out. Uh, but it's good to get goals on the board and you know keep the fans happy. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty much what was expected. The next game against Palestine will probably be a little bit trickier, but um, all you can do is beat what's in front of you, and they did that quite comfortably the other night. Yeah, 100% right. Uh, next next game, against, as you say, against Palestine uh, being hosted in Kuwait, obviously with the issues in Gaza means they're not going to be hosting any games there. Um Simon, for for matches for the away matches, do you travel to the stadium? Do you travel to like Kuwait to uh, comment? No. no, we used to. We used to, but uh, those days are long gone. Sadly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess with the internet happening. now, you can do the commentary from in a booth in Sydney or Melbourne, wherever the game is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, unfortunately, this is the way with uh, modern sports. You know, it's it's not ideal for us, but um, yeah. COVID hasn't helped, and no, uh, the accountants have won, <laughs> as they normally do. Yeah, yeah. They, they always say the, the uh, world's ruled by lawyers and accountants, don't they? So, yeah, uh, yeah that's the way it rolls. Um, just, I guess, just reflecting a little bit more on that um, that performance throughout the week, and I guess the seven nil result. How did you find the way that uh, Graham Arnold approached that? Because I guess there's a balance to be found between getting the performance, getting the results uh, in a competitive match, but then also possibly using this game to be able to maybe get some new blood yep. through and everything else, Simon. How did you see how uh, Graham Arnold balanced all that? 
Yeah, I thought he, he, he got the mix about right. You know, obviously, the first and foremost, you want to make sure that you win the game. Um, you know, you, get, you can't be going experimenting left, right and centre because it's a welcome qualifier and, uh, you know, any sort of slip up and you open the door for problems, you know, further down the line. So I, I thought his team selection w- w- was fine. And obviously, you know, towards the end, he, he uh, gave some experience, for example, to the likes of Cassini Yangi. It was good to see, yep. you know, him get his first cap because he's been going OK for, for Portsmouth in the UK. Um and, yeah, I, I think overall, you know, Arnie has, over the last couple of years, managed to build a lot of depth anyway. Uh, he's done his experimenting in friendly games, which is what they're for. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is now the real stuff, albeit, you know, this second round of qualifying is probably not going to be the sternest test for the Socceroos. Uh, he's got a, a good depth of squad now with, with competition for places, and, you know, I'll give you one example. The, the right fullback position, which uh, has probably been a bit problematic over the last couple of years. Uh, I think at the World Cup, you know, we had two or three players play there. Nathaniel Atkinson played there. Then yep. Josh Degenet took over. You go back even a bit further, Ryan Grant, Josh Risden. Mm-hmm. We've had Frank Karacic mm-hmm. in there. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we, we've now got Ryan Strain and Lewis Miller, who, who've seemingly taken over. Now, that's you know, a testament really to what Arnie has done in in developing those players, and obviously uh, them going playing overseas has, has helped as well. Uh, but uh, you know, he's brought them through, uh, doubling up with the Ollie Roos job for a while as well. So he knows all those young kids, and um, you know, we look as though we're, we've now managed that uh, generational change quite comfortably in in most areas of the pitch, anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think back to the. The Socceroos, you know, the the golden era when we went in 2006 and then in 2010, we basically used the same team. There didn't seem to be much of a, a transition plan. Um, and I think, uh, yeah. was it was it Pim Verbeek was the coach then? And he was, obviously, his aim was just to get, get us to the World Cup. So he didn't, you know, yeah. um, blooding new players wasn't really an issue for him. But if I, if I recall correctly, I think we had the oldest squad at that World Cup. And it kind of showed. Yeah, well, look, you know, to be fair to Pim, at the time, the A-League was only, what, three or four years old. Yep. There were no academy development systems uh, in the clubs at that particular point. So the depth wasn't there. Now, again, you know, I come back to the A-League, and the A-League gets an awful lot of flack. Mm. But over the course of the off-season, the last two years, we have sold over 30 players to European clubs. Yep. Uh, that's just in the last two seasons, which illustrates to me that, A, the level of the A-League is pretty good, which, uh, you know, fans who watch it every week will know that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, the, the academy systems that were put in place a few years ago are starting to bear fruit. You know, they, they don't do it within the first 12 months or two yep. years. It takes a while for that system to, to get up and running and for it to produce results. And I think we're now starting to see that. Uh, you know, that, that production line of young talent that is, is coming... You know, in some cases through the MPL clubs, grassroots, and then onto the A-League clubs who are polishing those diamonds and getting them ready for not only A-League football, but to be transferred overseas. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the likes of Lewis Miller again, Ryan mm. Strang, mm. Keanu Backus, uh, Cassini Yengi, Garan Kual. Nestor and Kondor is going off to Bayern Munich in, in January. Yeah. You know, they have all come through those uh, A-League academies uh, and, and perhaps some of them, you know, MPL level below that. So 
Yeah, it's starting to work. Um, and back in 2010, you know, those systems were not even in their infancy. In fact, they, I don't think they even existed in 2010. So there wasn't the same production line, in my opinion, that, that was coming through then than there is now. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good point well made there because it's not something that we have seen in the past and I think you know it's been said throughout the week that for all the all the whinging and complaining we do about the the A-League and everything else this is a real bright spark oh yeah there Pete so and it's uh yeah it is huge and, and fantastic to see that I guess there's a little bit more synchronicity between the clubs and the I guess the uh, outcome that is the producing uh, results at uh, at the national level. Um, Simon, uh, a little bit on Graham Arnold because, of course, he celebrated his 59th uh, cap, if you like, mm-hmm. as the uh, as the most amount of uh, the record for the most A internationals taking over from Frank Farina. But uh, it hasn't always been smooth sailing. He has been a polarising character from, from time to time, hasn't he? Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that. Um, but most national team coaches, you know, go through that. Um, we we sort of forget these days because Ange has been, you know, almost deified for what he's done overseas. Uh, but, you know, Ange divided opinion as well. Yeah. Uh, as did Timber Bake, uh, as did Frank Farina, as did virtually every coach bar Hussidink, Hiddink, and, and that's probably only because he was there for less than 12 months. So, you know, it, it's always going to be the case uh, and it's a sign of a, a mature, healthy football nation that asks difficult questions of their national team coach. I, I'd be shocked if, uh, you know, he had a 100% approval rating. Now, at the moment, he's, you know, he's uh, he's probably fairly, probably at his peak of popularity because of what he did in the World Cup. Yep. Um, and, and that's how coaches exist. You know, they live and die by results. If they go to the Asian Cup in January and get knocked out in the group stage, I'll tell you, it'll be public enemy <laughs> number one. Exactly. And Arnie knows that. Yeah. He's not stupid. You know, that's the way it goes, unfortunately. Uh, he had some interesting comments in the week, and uh, we all go all the way back to when he took over from Gus Hitting back in 2007, and how disappointing it was, to, you know, to, just to be a fan at that tournament, uh, Simon. But it was it was funny that he said, "Look, he he wasn't being himself. He tried to emulate and tried to be Gus Hitting, and it it didn't work for yeah. him. So it's great that, and I think he'd be the first to admit it, is that he's he's grown a lot, not only as a coach, but as a as a person as well. And I think those those results have have come with that. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, Arnie in 2007 was obviously a much younger coach. Goodness me, we're all a lot younger in those days. Um, And he probably didn't have the authority that he should have had because, of course, at the time, he was interim coach. He wasn't full-time coach. And if if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Arnie's made this public in the past. You know, for that tournament, uh, a lot of the players had uh, played... If you go back in the, in the history books, 2004 Olympics, uh, certain players have gone as overage players. Then they had the 2005 Confederations Cup, and then they had the 2006 World Cup, and then the Asian Cup was the following year. And some of those players wanted a rest. Yep. They hadn't had an off-season in, in three or four years, and some of them really probably didn't want to be there very mm. much. Mm. It was stinking hot conditions. <laughs> it was played in Southeast Asia in the peak of... Uh, you know, the monsoon season, so you can imagine what the humidity was like. I know, I was there. Mm. Um, and Arnie would would have preferred to have used that tournament, I think, as a development tournament for younger players. But at the time, of course, we were new to Asia. 
who wanted to make a splash, and I think he was told as interim coach, no, you pick the best available players. So, you know, it was a difficult job that he had in, in that particular tournament. That's not to say that they played well, because they didn't. Um, but, you know, that that's part of the learning curve for Arnie, and, um, you know, I think he's probably come out of it a much better coach. Um, he's certainly more experienced these days. And because he's got the job on a full-time basis and he's got us to the last 16 of a World Cup, he's now got that authority that perhaps he didn't have, uh, you know, 16, 17 years ago. I'll tell you what, yeah. as, a, as a fan, it was a great trip. Uh, the, the football <laughs> might have been rubbish, but as a fan, it was a, it was a very, very good trip as, uh, as far as that goes. Um, just I guess just moving over to, I guess, the, the women's side of the program, the Matildas, a uh, bit of news out this morning. And, geez, it's come early, but a 23-player squad has already been, uh, I guess, announced for the upcoming uh, match against, uh, against Canada, Simon. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that squad, to be honest, but uh, I did see that it was about to be announced uh, today. Yeah, it, it's very early, but, um, yeah, I guess Tony Gustafsson wants uh, wants to make sure that everybody knows who's going and who isn't. Um, it, it's certainly an interesting one. Obviously, these games are, are friendlies uh, ahead of the next batch of Olympic qualifiers, which is uh, in February. Uh, are there any surprise names? Just tell me if you've seen the squad. Yeah, it did, it did, it did, I did raise an eyebrow that Avi Lewick still in the squad. No offence to her, but yeah, she's. I actually looked it up. She's, ah. she's 38 years old and still going strong. Yeah. Um, that was that was well, the one that really go. jumped out at. Well, not you know, I mean she's a reg, she has been a regular in the squads previously, but you sort of think there's got to be a point mm. where she she's not in the squad. Uh, other than that. And, it and looks, Hulk, and, Hulk and Horn and Kennedy are both in the squad as well, are they? Uh, yep, yep, I think so. Um, okay. And Claire Hunt, obviously. Claire Hunt was definitely in there. Uh, that's, that's Horn is. Yeah, I mean, that that shows that perhaps we we still lack, mm. uh, no disrespect to Ivy, who's a terrific player, but you rightly say she's, you know, late 30s. Uh, Polk's is, what, mid-30s. Alana Kennedy's yeah. had injury concerns. Um, Claire Hunt, really, is the one that's emerged uh, as, as a superstar yes. of this team. I think she's terrific. But, uh, yeah, maybe, um, maybe Tony Gustafsson still doesn't know exactly who to play alongside her. Yeah, Hunt, Hunt was a funny one because watching the uh, Women's World Cup, she was the player who I didn't recognise. So, like, I could, you know, any of the other players, I knew who it was, but if it was one I didn't know who it was, mm. that was Claire Hunt. That's how <laughs> yeah. I knew it was her. Well, that was... I mean, honestly, for me, she, she was... Um, I know she probably didn't grab the headlines of Sam Kerr or one or two of the others, but yeah. uh, for me, I thought she was in Matilda's best performer at the World Cup. I thought she was absolutely sensational. Simon, that was a concern going into the World Cup, wasn't it? As you as you suggest, there this, that centre half pairing, and I guess Claire Hunt yeah. got up to speed at a phenomenal rate, and she she made that centre half spot her own. But uh, where's that next gen coming from? As far as uh, I guess your your centre halves, do you feel have we got a few coming through the the women's A League that you've spotted? Well, good question. I mean, to be honest, you know, I don't cover the women's uh, competition on a weekly basis, uh, although obviously I keep an eye on it. I mean, there are options there. Uh, you know, Courtney Nevin has played there. Uh, mm-hmm. She's now overseas and she's with Leicester City, so she's a potential option. Uh, you could switch Steph Catley inside uh, to, to play as a central defender. Um, there was talk a little while back of Kayla Morrison, um, mm. who, of course, was born in America, but... Uh, has been in Australia, I think, long enough to get naturalised. But she, she suffered a bad injury at the start of was it last season or the season before. And whether she's reached the same height since, I'm, I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, th- there will be some options there. But, um, yeah, I mean, this has been an accusation that's sort of been thrown at 
Tony before that he's he's not really been willing enough to you know to experiment a, a whole lot, particularly in friendly games, which these matches against Canada are. But um, you know, I guess he would say, look, I can only choose if if I think the talent is is good enough to replace what I've got. And uh, at the moment, you'd say with the selection of Ivy Luke, and again, sorry, Ivy, nothing personal, but. Um, <laughs> You, it, that would suggest that he doesn't believe that that, that, that next generation is, is quite there yet. Is Charlotte Grant, I guess, that next cab off the rank? Obviously, she's just uh, left her Swedish club. Um, there was talk that she might be yeah. off to the uh, to the uh, Women's Super League. Yeah. Is, she, announced, yeah. is she one that's in the shop window? Yeah, I mean, you know, Charlie Grant, um, sort of more of a, a fullback, I yeah. guess, than a central defender. Um, and unfortunately for her, she's got Ellie Carpenter, <laughs> who's ahead of it. So, uh, you know, that, that's a tough player to dislodge from the starting level. But she, she's certainly part of that group of players that, you know, will be looking to establish themselves. I'm sure she can play as a centre-back as well. Uh, it, you know, it's not the only role in the team that's that's got a question mark over it. But, um, yeah, I, I would imagine if she goes to the Super League, which, as you say, is the rumour, then that's going to take her game on to the next level, which is obviously why she wants to go there. Um, so they'll all be pushing for those places, but um, yeah, you've got to dislodge the big names first. Simon Hill's with us from Ten Football and Paramount Plus. Uh, Simon, let's have a bit of a look at what's happening in Clubland. Of course, no A League men's this weekend due to the international break, but we've got a, a little bit of A League uh, women's going on. But uh, uh, as you said, you, d- you don't cover the women's league week in week out. But I'm sure that you've spotted that uh, the mighty Perth Glory is sitting top of the pops, going five, hopefully yeah. to go five from five this weekend. Yeah, I sure have. Uh, they're flying at the moment, and uh, that partnership of Grace Jale and Susan Fontoncam is uh, is paying dividends for them at the moment, isn't it? With I think they've scored six goals between them, uh, and showed their resilience. I think they left it late on against Adelaide before winning their last game. Yeah, uh, it's still early in the season, of course. You know, there's there's a fair way to go, but uh, it's a good start for them, and uh, it's good to see Perth Glory up there because you know in the earlier years of the league they were one of the stronger. Uh, outfits in the, in the women's game, but they've, they've sort of fallen away a little bit in, in recent years. Um, so let's hope it lasts for them. Absolutely. And uh, I guess a few prominent, talking about Matildas, a few prominent Matildas uh, in town as well. Uh, they're stacked with them almost, Melbourne Victory. Lydia Williams yep. uh, across uh, back to her uh, state of birth. Uh, Elise Kellon-Knight in that side. Emily Gilnick. So uh, they won't have it all their own way, the, the home team. No, they won't. Um, I, I'm not quite sure about Emily Gilnick's state of fitness at the moment. I think she picked up an injury in the last game, so whether she's uh, OK to travel or not, I don't know. Uh, similar story with KK. She's obviously working her way back from a, a longer injury, mm-hmm. uh, but Lydia should certainly be involved. Um, she's one of the great characters of the women's game. Um, one of my favourite Matildas, to be honest, is Lydia. She's uh, she's such a great person to talk to and has been a fabulous goalkeeper uh, for the national teams. Um, in fact, I did wonder... I thought it was a bit unfortunate that obviously she she retired from the national team after the Women's World Cup. And I did wonder whether Tony Gustafsson might have thrown her on for the last few minutes, the game against Sweden in that third, fourth-place playoff. You know, they, they weren't going yeah. to win it. They were 2-0 down. Uh, might have been a nice touch for her to get on for, to say farewell to the home crowd, but uh, anyway, wasn't to be. 
And uh, I guess a familiar name returns to the A-League as well. Emily Van Egmond yes. uh, just uh, re-signing yet again to play under her father um, at, uh, at the Newcastle Jets. Yeah, uh, I mean, how many stints has that she's had? <laughs> Three or four. Yeah. It's, she keeps returning back, but obviously that's you know that's her home city, her home state, and um, you know with with her father there in charge of the team, it's probably a no-brainer. Um, she's had one or two injuries, uh, Emily Van Egmond, and you know again with respect, probably coming towards the end of of her playing days, so. Uh, it's good for her to be uh, back home and playing games. I think she was luckily with Orlando Magic, so uh, maybe she wants to get game time to you know keep herself in contention for uh, those Olympic qualifiers that are coming up. I think against Uzbekistan, isn't it, in uh, February? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably a good move for her, and obviously great for the league because she's a very recognisable name. So. You know, the crowds have been up this year in the Women's League, which is great to see on the back of the Women's World Cup. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe that'll put a, a few more on the gates at, at Newcastle. I think it would do. I certainly hope it would do. Oh. Uh, by my count, that would be her fifth stint with uh, Newcastle Jets Ooh, as go. well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, just to, I guess just touching a little bit on the A-League men's, uh, not in action this weekend, but there's been a fair bit of... Uh, of you know stories coming out, of course. The uh, what are you making of uh, Ufuk Talley to come in and replace uh, Steve Corica? And they certainly started with a bang last okay. weekend. Well, he did a good job match day one, didn't he, against uh, Adelaide? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good appointment by Sydney. Um, I, th- I think Steve did a t- terrific job over many years with the Sky Blues, won a lot of trophies, but it was probably time for a change. The, the last game in charge that he had against Melbourne City and I'll call this one for, for Paramount Plus and they were pretty abject to be honest and mm. uh, similarly I was behind the mic for the game against Adelaide and you know it was day and night the two performances um, it, it seemed as though they were sharper uh, you know they pressed uh, at the right times that they were functioning properly as a team now maybe it's just a short term you know, new coach factor. Yep. Uh, who knows whether it's going to be a long-term fix, but, uh, you know, at the moment, he's, he's made a good start. That's all he can say. And it's obviously this international break has probably come around at the right time for Uffie. He can uh, work on a few things on the training ground for, for 10 days or so. And next up, they've got a big Sydney derby against the Wanderers. So we'll probably get more of an idea as to how much improvement they've made against the Wanderers team that I think is yet to consider goal this season. So uh, that's their first challenge. How concerning is the form of the Central Coast Mariners? Uh, do you see them turning it around? Uh, yeah, look, it's, it's difficult to know. I mean, the Mariners have had a lot of uh, change in the off-season. You know, not least the coach, uh, Nick Montgomery, really was the architect behind their championship win last season. And, uh, yeah, him going was a big blow. They've lost half a team as well. It was always going to take time. Uh, for things to settle down on the back of that. Uh, unfortunately, it's something we see a lot of in the A-League because, in part, the salary cap, uh, because, in part, young players want to go and play in Europe, and that's yeah. fair enough. Um, but it does somewhat decimate our, our more successful teams, and uh, the Mariners are not the first to suffer in that regard. I hope they can turn it around. Uh, Mark Jackson seems like a very capable guy, a decent fella, um, but... You know, they've got to start scoring goals for a start. They've only scored once this season. Mm, yeah. um, I know he's already pointed out that that's an area of concern to him and he's put his strikers on notice. 
uh, wouldn't be surprised if they if they go looking in the transfer market in January to try and uh, fix that problem if it's still there come January. Simon, um, appreciate your time here this morning. What does the weekend look like with no football for yourself? I'm going to the pub. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to the pub tonight. But uh, no, I'm still doing a bit of work. Uh, I've got to call the, uh, the Australian game against Palestine on Wednesday yep. morning. I've got a radio yep. show before then. and I'm on Offsiders for ABC tomorrow, radio interviews. So, yeah, it doesn't really stop, but it's just... Uh, a weekend without uh, without calling games. And how's the how's the band coming along? The band, yeah, yeah good. We're, yeah. we're playing uh, playing a gig next Friday. Oh, beauty, Sydney. So, yeah, yeah. What, first what, one of the, I think what, three we've got lined up over the next couple of months. What's so, the What's the name of the yeah, band? We're busy with the band. Uh, it's called Green Manalishi. It's a heavy metal cover band. All right, nice. Yeah, get out and see <laughs> it if you're in Sydney next week, Simon. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Pleasure, guys. No worries at all. That is Simon uh, Simon Hill there. I better get these buttons right uh, there, Pete. But uh, was it Green Manalishi? Yeah, I I was going to Google it, but I was like, I know how to spell in that. I'm going to have to have a bit of a look. (laughs) He's a bit of a a fancy drummer, I hear, uh, Simon Hill. Loves his his, uh, medal in particular. I tell you, I'm I'm impressed with his depth of knowledge as well on the the footballing front because... You know, he said he, he, he keeps an eye on the women's league but doesn't, you know, cover it yep. every week and he knew everything yeah. going on nevertheless. Yeah, so. yeah. No, well, uh, very well versed in what yeah. is happening in Australian football and that's why he is uh, known as the voice the man, of Australian yeah. football. Yeah. Uh, yep, no, we do appreciate him. And he's always very, very forthcoming on, on this show whenever yep. I've listened and even with my work elsewhere and... Uh, you can always just give them, hey, can you give us 15 minutes? No dramas at all. Yep. It's always, uh, it's fantastic to see, and it's exactly what the game needs. Hey, um, Pete, I'm hoping this works, but we did talk a little bit earlier on uh, about this game tonight for the Perth Glory women. Yep. And uh, Tash Rigby is going to be celebrating 100 appearances. She's great. I, yep. I, I don't think anyone has ever said a bad word about Tash Rigby. Yeah, In fact, I it's agree. always, yep. they can't, find the superlatives to be <laughs> yeah. able to describe her. And I think it's fair to say uh, she's not going to be ever listed as the talented, but just the heart, the soul, the energy. Yeah. And yeah. It's it's exactly what's needed. Absolutely. She, as you say, as as we said, like as um, Jamie Hanwell was for the men's team yeah. and as you say in the other sports as well. Um, I've got, I've, well, as I said, by my count, she's on 98. So I'll... I'll happily wear that and say I've missed a match somewhere but that still puts her in third place for appearances for well, the we, ho- we hope you're wrong she's not going to no. <laughs> she'll, oh, yeah, yeah. she'll be having another celebration in a couple of, a couple of weeks time as well so um, Shannon May and uh, Maria Tabane are ahead of her although again by my count which apparently now is all in doubt uh, uh, Marie, uh, Mariana Mariana Tabane yeah uh, she's on 100 so right. exactly 100 so and she's, I think she's finished. Obviously, she's I finished assume playing she's now. Yeah. Not, yep. yeah, yeah, last game was in 2021. Yep, yep, there you go. So, uh, and uh, yeah, of course, Mariana Tabane, I think she played in that side that won the league with Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Lana Kennedy. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, who else was in there? I think there was another one in there, wasn't there? That's of this current crop of Matilda. There, there was too, because I remember looking at it, because I was at, at that grand final yeah, thinking, yep. oh. Uh, Alana Kennedy, Caitlin Ford, Sam Kerr, Mackenzie Arnold. Mackenzie Arnold, of course, was the other one in goals, yeah, as well. And, um, and Nike have said now they're going to make goalkeeper kits available for sale. Do you know what I was thinking the other day? I used to have a great Perth Glory long sleever. Yeah? 
and I lost was it. Was it a keeper one? A it was a keeper one. Just, one. Yeah. I've, I've got a goalkeeper one. I've yeah, got yeah. A, the old Robbie Zabika yeah, yeah. goalkeeper one, long sleeve. You can't... Why don't we get long sleeve football kits anymore? You can't get them. Because the A-League runs over summer. No, I get that, but you kind of <laughs> it's hard to get overseas ones. Yeah, like, yeah. They're just not made because a lot of the players just wear those skins underneath Yeah, underneath, now. so... I guess there's no point to it. But, yeah, if you have got a long sleever, yeah, I'll might keep be collectible, it. Yeah. Absolutely. I reckon they're rare as hen's teeth. Um, I'm hoping this works. Uh, here's just a little bit of Tash Rigby um, speaking ahead of her 100th, cap, uh, 100th uh, appearance for the club. Um, I'm so incredibly excited and grateful and honoured to be able to step out for the 100th time for glory. Um, yeah, the, the team is buzzing and we're just super excited to have victory at home. Um, taking a look back over the career, I mean, 100 games makes you sort of reflect on that. Have you got a few favourite moments? Oh, definitely. I think definitely playing in the grand final uh, my first year and then a second one in 2019, I think it was, were amazing experiences. And, yeah, just being a part of the club's development and the team's development over the years, I think it's been really special to be a part of women's football um, throughout the World Cup as well. So that's been amazing. But, yeah, there's been so many incredible moments. Um, what does it mean, I guess, like this year, the team looking so strong, undefeated, and then year 100 games as well? Is this sort of culminating to something special, do you think? Yeah, I hope so. I think we've started so well. We have amazing momentum at the moment. Um, it's a credit to every single player and all our staff have just been phenomenal. So, yeah, it's really special to be able to take the field uh, at a time like this and continue, yeah, our positive momentum. Um, when you look back at the player you were when you debuted to, to now, what sort of changed for you, do you think? So much, so much. I think as a, as a player, I've developed considerably. Uh, the first few years I was finding my feet and I feel like I've really developed over the last few years. And as a leader as well, I think I've really come into my own over the last uh, two to three years as well. So it's, it's a credit to the people that believed in me and the players around me. What do you remember of that debut game? Oh, no. I remember getting subbed on in like the last 10 minutes and giving the ball straight to the opposition and then almost scoring. So that was a little bit traumatic, but then I managed to pull it around. And then, yeah, I think after that, um, I started to build into more 90-minute performances. So that was good. Um, do you think you're capping it off with a goal? I mean, you've sort of gone such a long time without scoring and now you've doubled down. Yeah. Would that, would that be a nice icing on the cake, perhaps? That would be amazing. I think that's asking a lot, considering I've only scored twice in 100 games but for you Ash I'll do anything <laughs> uh, Melbourne victory this weekend are they you know they have had a bit of an up and down start to the season but do you guys still view them as one of the benchmarks of the competition yeah 100% I think they have one of the better teams on paper in the league they have a number of Matildas and they have a lot of experience in their team a lot along with a lot of really good younger players as well and Jeff is a phenomenal coach so yeah they're they're a very strong team and it'll be a really good test for us but being consistently good for so long is that something you guys are you know trying to emulate that kind of consistency over multiple years but and then you know ultimately that success as well yeah 100 percent. i think what alex has been doing in the last few years is trying to be he's trying to build um something more sustainable and it's looking really positive but yeah they're definitely the benchmark hey Dash, just uh, with regards to obviously the start of the season incredible the way things are going at the moment how impressed are you to see a lot of the younger, more inexperienced names in the squad really step up in the absence of someone like a Kim Carroll or Liz Anton didn't start the season? So how impressed are you to see that? Yes, so impressed. It's such um, a testament to our depth in the squad. Georgia Cassidy has been absolutely phenomenal. She's just been nominated for Young Player of the Year, which is 
a credit to her incredible work. She's phenomenal on the ball, so good technically, and has just slotted in very easily, along with Grace Johnson as well, another local girl who's been awesome. She's stepped up. Um, but, yeah, it speaks to the depth and our incredible squad this year. To have a team like Victory coming over to Perth, it, it really, you know, the away managers constantly talk about how much it takes a toll to travel over here. Um, how important is it playing at home at Macedonia Park against a side like Victory, especially with your form? Yeah, 100%. I think Masso Park has become a little bit like our fortress this year and it's got that little like intimate boutique style and that feel and it really feels like the fans are there with us. So, yeah, I think it's it's huge for them to be coming over and I think it's 10pm for them as well, the game. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting for us. There you go. That was Tash Rigby ahead of her 100th appearance for the Perth Glory tonight. If you want to get out to that, it should be a night for it, Pete. 7pm, yep. Macedonia Park. Beautiful It'll be a little weather. bit warm yep. and hopefully not too much of a uh, Southwester coming through, but it, um, it should be a great night. A, a, a big test, as, uh, well, as, Tash, as said. Tash said. Then it's uh, also a 10pm game as far as Melbourne victory yeah. is concerned, so hopefully that uh, plays to our favour as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And some big names uh, on both sides, and they're flying at the moment. And what I really like, and um, I've said it a bit ad nauseum, is just this young talent talent that's coming through, yep. uh, particularly in Georgia Cassidy and Grace Johnston, straight out of the WA MPL, and yep. they've been seamless in this side at, at senior football level. Yeah. So Agree entirely. Fantastic yep. to see. Fantastic to see. Uh, you're on the World Football Program uh, with um, uh, Blaine Treadgold and uh, and Pete Sakila. Uh, it is uh, all thanks to uh, futsalwa.org.au. Perth's Premier Futsal Competition at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. We're going to take a quick break and uh, after this we're going to be chatting a bit of football. Hopefully you can join us on the other side. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258-6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au And the whole world is wondering, what's it going to take to stop this U.S. team? Easy luck. We mark Alex. Marvel Rose. Or Trinity. Poor bloody Rapino. Rapino scores! A 
We could get younger players. They already did that. We have veteran experience. Listen to what you're saying. That is a world-class combination. Their flights could get canceled. Seriously? We can steal their players. It's quite simple, really. You train for four years in an AR simulation that mimics their every move. Yeah. Initializing crystal dawn. I got it. We go back in time and stop them from ever playing soccer. It's a great game. You'll love it. Wait. Are you just describing the plot of Terminator? What's it going to take to stop this U.S. team? They're faster. Slower. Rougher. Nicer, eh? Play with passion. With style. With precision. Je ne sais quoi. I mean, the entire world is going to do whatever it takes to stop the U.S. Good luck with that. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. It's right, it is Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM, the World Football Program, playing Tread Gold, Pete Skeeler uh, with you. Uh, Pete, we're having a little bit of an issue getting to uh, Alex Lalovich to chat a little bit of futsal, but uh, you dabble in a bit of futsal, don't you? I do indeed. Well, Is it futsal dabble. or is it that rebound? It's of, just, no, no, it's not the rebound not one. The re- so it's it's a, okay. I think it's official. Is it with the smaller, you play yeah, the smaller ball? Yeah, smaller ball, ball and, and yeah, there's, it ball can still go out of bounds, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. That's which I believe that's like the official futsal rebounds. Just I yeah, think well, that's I th- just rec centers that have walls too close to the edge of the field. Well, we'll call it rebound instead. Then I, I tell you what, though, and it, you know, it takes a little bit more skill to be able to keep that in the confines area of play. But I guess what I like about the rebound style is if you maybe your skills aren't that good, but you <laughs> want to get out and play, and we, we love to lose see the it. Ball, yeah. We're not going to lose the ball everywhere, <laughs> and. Uh, I tell you what, it, it, uh, I used to play a little bit down at Loftus, and they've got a nice yes, little astroturf bit at the back. Yep, and jeez, uh, it was competitive. Let yeah, me tell you, would have Woo! been. Yeah, we Woo! actually played at Loftus rebound for a long time. We yep. were only just, well, just before COVID, we switched to yep. uh, Revo in Shenton Park. Right, and yeah, it's certainly the first handful of games. Getting used to not being rebound was just it was a disaster. Yeah, the ball's going out of bounds mm. all the time. You know, it's a whole different mindset when you realise suddenly, yeah, there's a Lying around the edge of the pitch, so yeah. Can't, ball can't go out. Um, w League, oh sorry, A League Women. Yeah, I still call it W League. I can't help myself. The dub. Yeah. Um, uh, so as we said, the uh, Glory are hosting Melbourne Victory tonight, and I was actually a bit disappointed to see the last time we've beaten Melbourne Victory when hosting them, uh, twenty seventeen. So a good three years before anyone even heard the term COVID, we had a three one win over them, and that was the last time we've had. A couple of away wins over him, including okay. one in the finals. Um, yes. Oh, yes. We, yeah, it was that famous... 4-2, yeah. Extra time. Was it Was it Sam? No. No. We had... Uh, Who do we have up front? Rachel, oh, sorry. Yes, Sam. Sam was there. Uh, Rachel Hill, Nikki Stanton, Sam Kerr was our front three there. That's right. And it was a part of a double header, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, that would explain it because the crowd listed for that match is eight thousand. Yeah. It so, was. A, it was a. Yeah. yeah it was a double header um, at Amy Park. I remember from yeah. memory. And it was a hat trick for Sam. There you uh, go. In that one. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I was a bit disconcerted to see we haven't beaten them at home for that long. Do you know what though? As we spoke about in the week with Gareth Morgan from the Perth Glory, mm-hmm. we'd never won in Canberra yeah, until true. this year. Yep. We broke that hoodoo. Yep. We hadn't won in a gazillion. 
against Adelaide. Yeah, broken that hoodoo. Yep. This is the oh, year. Oh, well, this is the year. The hoodoo breaking year. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, Perth Glory against uh, Melbourne Victory. Gloria currently on a five-match winning streak because I count, you know, last season as well. Um, Victory, on the other hand, haven't conceded in the last two. Uh, moving over, looking at the other... So there's a lot of games today. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers against Canberra United. So Western Sydney Wanderers sitting dead last and, well, Canberra. I put it this way, this would be a fantastic relegation battle if we had relegation in the league. Uh, so 10th against 12th there. Uh, Central Coast Mariners hosting the Wellington Phoenix. So Wellington Phoenix actually, uh, I think, have caught a few people out there. They're sitting third on the table and looking pretty good. Yep. And Central Coast just sitting about middle mid-table. Uh, and then the third game today is obviously, as we said, the glory against victory. Then tomorrow, Adelaide United hosting Sydney FC. Uh, Adelaide United again, well, both teams actually down the bottom quarter of the table. Uh, and rounding it out will be Newcastle Jets hosting Melbourne City. So... Uh, Sydney FC a couple of games behind because they were obviously playing in the the first ever Champions League Asian tournament for women, which yeah, they yeah. Uh, lost. Yeah, they they, lost. they, did, they, right, they yeah. fell short of of the finals. Right. But I, yeah. I think what it is, Pete, it's a little bit of a litmus test for a fully blown exactly, Champions yeah. Yeah. League. So it was just a. I guess a one-off tournament and, and the first yep. of that, and I guess they'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, uh, it's it's something that the women's game does need to oh, be yeah. able to step Love up to, to those levels that, yeah. as well. So uh, a really, I mean, it'd be fantastic if, we, if the the likes of a Perth Glory or a Canberra United or someone could test themselves up against the best in Japan, the best in Korea and everything else. Yeah, we'd else. love to see that. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, so the uh, so Sydney women, they, they had a 3-0 win over... So the games were all played in Uzbekistan. Um, Sydney were 3-0 over Bam Katun, who was an Iranian side. Mm-hmm. Uh, then 2-1 over FC Nasaf, which I think is the Uzbekistani side. Um, uh, and then they went down, oh, was it 3-0 to the South Korean team, the Red Wings. Sorry, I haven't got the exact name there. but uh, So missed out on the final. Okay. All right. Not a bad effort, though. I mean, oh, yeah. first off and yep. everything else like that. So... Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that all play out. Um, what's happening elsewhere, Pete? Um, elsewhere, <laughs> well, elsewhere. Well, anything else? Doesn't... Anything else uh, tickling your fancy anything, at the moment? Well, look, World Cup qualifying, as we know, is obviously going on here in uh, Asia, but it's also happening in South America. And I sort of took a look at the table there, and oh, geez, that threw up some surprises. So, the only country, the only country in South America that's never been to a World Cup, Venezuela. Um, I guess there's a bit more of an American influence there, and I think uh, as in a US influence there, because yeah. I think they're a bit more on their baseball. Um, well, they've had a they've had a uh, one-all draw away to Brazil, uh, which was definitely an eye opener, uh, and then a three-nil win at home over Chile. So Venezuela is currently sitting in qualifi- qualification uh, position ahead of Brazil. Brazil sitting fifth on the table. So uh, just to run through the results from the most recent set of matches. Uh, Bolivia 2-0 over Peru. Venezuela and Ecuador played out a nil-all draw. Colombia had a 2-1 home win over Brazil. Surprisingly, Uruguay had a 2-0 away win over Argentina. Argentina still top of the table there. And Chile and Paraguay played out a nil-all draw. So the group, the qualification there, uh, six teams go through out of 10. So I can't even say that's sort of like unfair or anything because the South American teams are just that good. Mm. Um, but so Argentina, Uruguay, 
Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil and Ecuador are currently the ones in the qualifi- qualification spot and Paraguay in seventh place would be going to a confederation playoff. Uh, currently Chile, Bolivia and Peru not looking like going through. You know why Uruguay's doing so well? Why is that? Two words. Marcelo Bielsa. Okay. Marcelo Bielsa. I think, he's, I think the man's a genius. I was lucky enough to, obviously I'm a Leeds fan, we're lucky enough to have him at Leeds. Yeah. Um, but we, we talk about Ange being yeah, erratic yeah. and uh, pulling ideas out of you know where. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bielsa's on another level. Okay. He, he's the master yeah, of yeah. that. Like, <laughs> just yeah. Um, they used to. Um, they used to, basically there was a game and they um, they used to call it murder ball. And yep. it was yep. you play until you pretty much fall over. Yep. Um, but they they also said that that was partly maybe Leeds' downfall is that he worked them too hard and by the end of the season they were a little bit cooked. But um, Uruguay under Marcelo Bielsa have knocked off Argentina and Brazil. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that. Seems to touch a bit of gold no matter where he goes, <laughs> yeah, uh, Marcelo it, yeah. Bielsa. But, uh, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And uh, there's some Asian and some European Yeah, so Asian as well. So, obviously, we're all focused on Australia, but just run through the other... All, all the Asian qualifying kicked off. Uh, Qatar, 8-1 over Afghanistan. India, 1-0 over Kuwait. That, that's actually a bit of a surprise, that one. Uh, Japan, 5-0 over Myanmar. Syria, 1-0 over North Korea. Uh, South Korea 5-0 over Singapore. China 2-1 away win over Thailand. Uh, Oman 3-0 over Chinese Taipei. Uh, And in what was an absolute corker of a match, Malaysia 4-3 over Kyrgyzstan. Malaysia were down 3-1 at the 70-minute mark and got got three goals, including one three minutes into extra time. uh, Sorry, injury time to... uh, they don't call it injury time anymore, do they? It's now just time added on or ec- not extra time. That's that's something else. Is it? But yeah. I, I now know. I think about it, I don't think they actually say injury time. We should have asked Simon that. I have to remember that for next time. If, if he's actually had a, a directive I not to I thought it was just terminology, just different terminology. Oh, extra, what do I, extra time, injury time. I think I call it injury time. I, I think I call it injury time too, but I've, I've got a feeling they don't call it that anymore. They're just like so time right. added on. Oh, next time we speak with Simon, we might what, put that what, to him. what I'm amazed with is you play, you watch a World Cup, yeah. and there'll be like 14 minutes. Oh, well, I I thought that was fantastic. Well, I thought it was too, but yeah. then we're, I'm wondering where that directive has come from because we don't see it at club level. You're still just getting the standard, you know, standard three minutes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no matter done. what. Yeah. Um, I think I think FIFA obviously do their metrics for how long the ball's in play. And also, not only how long it's played, but it's you know there's in play and there's in play, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think they they'd got to the point where they were like, you know, there's actually only about 50 minutes of game time in a 90 minute match. So if it goes out, you know, let let's do a proper stop the clock right. and restart, almost almost basketball style, where you you know pause the clock, um, so they know, hey, at the end there's been 11 minutes worth of stoppages. Let's add yeah. 11 minutes on, um, which which to me is is fine. And I think. I think if they were a bit stricter on the timekeeping like that, it would also reduce the amount of uh, delaying tactics. Yeah, there because yeah. you know you can roll around on the ground for five minutes and you know oh my leg oh you know etc. If they're going to add that five minutes on again, regardless, then there's no benefit to it. Anyway, rolling on with the uh, the Asian group uh, uh, groups, uh, Iraq five one over Indonesia and Vietnam two nil over the Philippines. Saudi Arabia 4-0 over Pakistan and Tajikistan and Jordan played out a one-all draw. Uh, last one of all, uh, United Arab Emirates 4-0 over Nepal and Bahrain had a 2-1 win, uh, sorry, 2-0 away win over Yemen. 
So I'd like to see a Southeast Asian nation get to the World Cup, Vietnam or a Thailand or a Well, I mean, Indonesia. with the new World Cup format, there's I'll, a good chance of that I happening, so, really. yeah, because that's, you know, such a populous area of the world yeah. and football mad. Uh, I, th- I think it would just be absolutely insane if we saw a, a Thailand or a Vietnam at the World Cup. Oh, it'd be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, insane in a good way. And, uh, just great for the region as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah uh, as I said, just great for the region and to grow the region. Um, and I think we... We'll, obviously, there's that still that whole debate about you know merge, of splitting Asia and then yeah. maybe merging Asia with... Uh, Southeast Asia with Oceania and, yeah. and yeah. all and that. And it, it makes sense. So you know FIFA's not going to do it. No. Um, not unless there was somehow money to be made from it. Yeah. yeah. Let's not go down that path, Pete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, if you could put it to them in terms of you split Asia, East and West, uh, and that way the Western group had a certain amount of, you know, guaranteed qualifying spots. Mm. So your Qatars and your Saudi Arabians were guaranteed to get to the World Cup. That might perk FIFA's ears up. I think there's a bit of money to be made there. But, I mean, if FIFA is genuine about developing countries, yeah. then the ultimate thing is to not have New Zealand having to, you know, play Vanuatu and Tahiti exactly. and then have to go up against Brazil. Exactly. You know, that, that doesn't... That's, Which, well, the development's not good for anyone. As, as, as Australians, we, we know exactly there. how... Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm glad we're not there exactly anymore. Exactly right. Um, you talk about the Australians there. What we might do is we might have a uh, a bit of a crack to see if we can get uh, Alex uh, Lalovic back on. Uh, we did mention this a little bit earlier on, and that was the Socceroos win over Bangladesh yep. in the week. And uh, here's a little bit of uh, how Graham Arnold saw it. Um, just um, on Thursday night. Uh, a goal of ours was to get three or four goals first half so I could take off uh, three of the older boys to get them ready for Palestine. Um, but, you know, uh, I think overall it was uh, a good performance, but I think we still need to be a bit more ruthless in front of goal. You know, I think we had... Uh, I agree. I think it could have been double figures easily and uh, it should have been and, <clears throat> you know... Those things we've got to learn uh, to be more ruthless and and finish uh, finish them off. I guess in a game like tonight, where the gulf between the two sides, technically and physically as well, is just so great. Um, how much can you learn from a game tonight that will be, I guess, replicable not just when you're facing Palestine and Lebanon, but in the next phase of qualification as well? The most important thing, Joey, for me was uh, <clears throat> was the mentality uh, from the boys. You know, if they um, had a you know a mindset of you know complacency, then they wouldn't have had that. We wouldn't have had that performance. And uh, right from the minute they got into the uh, hotel and we had our first meeting, it was all about they've set their own standards and they can't let that drop. And uh, I don't want to see any sloppiness and complacency. Otherwise, I'll take you off or don't start you. So <clears throat> what's, what was important for me was the energy. The energy was fantastic. Um, you know, the, every, every player on the pitch put in 100%. They weren't sloppy at all, which was good. Again, we had one session to do those attacking patterns and get that all working, and you saw a lot of them worked. So that was uh, great to see. 
There you go, Pete. A little bit of um, Graham Arnold there uh, speaking yeah. after and uh, after the match seven uh, 0 victory for the Socceroos over the top of Bangladesh. Yeah, it's pretty stock standard, but you can only play who's put exactly. in front of you exactly. at this stage of the tournament. It's not like you you go in against uh, you know other sports, and this hasn't been degrading to them. It's just where they're at. But fifteen other teams in the you know that are going to vie for a world cup. We've got two hundred and eleven oh, member nations that are all vying for. Well, I'm a, a bit tongue in cheek when I say this, but I feel like FIFA should actually patent the term. World Cup because I'd I think they're taking the Mickey a bit when you know, cricket and rugby go yeah World Cup yeah you know, of the handful teams. of countries yeah, that play yeah. yeah that's right hey um let's chat a bit of futsal because uh, we were going to do that a little bit earlier there's been a little bit of a mess around but we got there in the end we've got there in the end uh, Alex Lalovich is with us he is the chair of the standing committee for the futsal program under Football West and I'm pretty yep. sure we've got him on the line have we got you there Alex. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. No, no worries at all, mate. Thanks for giving us a, a few minutes and uh, sorry about the, the mix-up. Mate, what's uh, what's happening in the football world currently, in the futsal world currently? Um, quite a bit going on as always. So now that we're heading towards summer, that's the main sort of futsal season here in WA and we've got the um, the two the leagues in full flight, the uh, Futsal WA Super League and the, uh, and the WA State Futsal League. So... And from that, we've got obviously there's, there's junior leagues, there's um, senior competitions running. Um, yeah, so it's a quite a busy time for futsal in, in Perth. And I guess your role as the only, not only the standing committee, but your role as the chair, uh, I guess what's happening in that space currently? Yeah, um, so we've only just recently had the committee formed. So we've only had a couple of, um, or a couple of meetings really. Um, up until now, and, and the main focus, just in the short term, has been getting um, FA national sorted because um, we've got state teams going from, well, from from youth all the way up to under 19s across boys and girls. But we were just um, sorting out what we're going to do for the open men um, because we didn't have a formal state team. So we'd like to send some, some teams over and get some players in front of the national team selectors who will be mm-hmm. there. Um, but then in terms of uh, the committee moving forward, really our, our goal will be to try and grow the sport in the most sustainable way. And, and I believe that is through, you know, seeing what the clubs need and how we can help develop um, the clubs in the community. Cause I think they're the backbone and the driving uh, force of the sport. Um, so I think a lot of focus will be going on how we can help the clubs develop, um, grow their membership bases and, and provide more opportunities for players, which ultimately will benefit the sport. Alex, you mentioned um, uh, two leagues there. So uh, these are actually, um, shall we say, official leagues run by Football West, are they? Because as I was saying to Blaine earlier, you know, you can go to any rec centre on a you know Tuesday night or something, and they'll have an indoor soccer competition. But so yeah. so there are actual official you know um, registered leagues as well. Yeah, so the way you work uh, with those two particular that I mentioned, um, so Football West. And the WA State Football League, there is an affiliation. So I yep. think they are um, an affiliated league. And as far as I'm aware as well, I, I think the Super League through Football WA may be going, or I think is going through a similar process of also having Football West affiliation. So, yeah, in terms of official leagues, they're the two sort of high-end competitive leagues okay. um, that, are, that are more driven by the, or participated by the clubs. And you've got clubs there that are training, that are, playing, etc. So it's obviously a, quite a big step up from all the, the local social leagues we've seen in the rec centres. Yep. And Alex, am, am I right in saying there's been a little bit of 
conjecture and maybe a little bit of controversy surrounding representative teams and whether they should be coming under the Football Australia State Federation banner or whether they come from the other associations. Can you give us some insight into into what's happening there? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not my biggest area of expertise in terms of some of the rep side, but I I think in the end of the day, everyone's intention has always been to provide opportunities for players and particularly high-level players to go out of state and compete. And when that opportunity might have not been you know, um, there officially in terms of through the football governing body, then others have stepped up to take, um, you know, to, to try and fill that gap and, and at least provide some players the opportunity to travel and play overseas and internationally. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what what the names of those teams are and that, I mean, there's obviously always up for debate. You know, I think there's obviously one national team, the, the, the Futsaroos. Um, we have obviously different rep sides from different organisations that, yeah, look, it's a, it's a long topic, but ultimately I think the goal for everyone is just to provide more opportunities for players. Mm. So we just need to find a way how we can do that, I guess, under under one banner um, on the international and national stage um, you know, through the governing body. Alex, uh, Alex Lulovic is with us. He is the uh, standing committee chair for the uh, futsal programs uh, under Football West. And uh, Alex, I was uh, fortunate enough to go down to the Football West uh, strategic uh, plan launch the other day. And uh, a big part of their strategic plan between now and 2026 is to provide further opportunities. And when we think about football and futsal, a lot of people think of structured leagues. But as Jamie Hanwell explains, um, they're looking, many people are looking to get involved. And he called it an actual fast food appetite to get involved these days. It might not be your fully structured Saturday morning where you're out there playing against teams. It might be where you just get involved and play a bit at the local rec centre or you're going down to the the local... um, park or you play however you want this is a real area that futsal can capitalize on isn't it and i guess you know you only need five people to be able to make up a team you can get together and i guess you can fulfill that on a more recreational kind of basis rather than a structured basis yeah i agree i mean i think that's a that's a big um a biggest potential pool because as far as i know in the last maybe 15 years i played recreation indoor around different leagues and and I know there's a lot of leagues and a lot of rec centres and it's obviously, like you said, it's quite easy to just play recreationally, get a small team together, play with friends. Mm. I think it'd be good if um, that can somehow be captured in terms of our participation numbers through Football West, whether it's, you know, um, the Football West or the expanded committee approaching centres and looking at some sort of maybe sub-registration of players that fall under Football West. So we, we know what our whole sort of pool is of recreational mm. players and then obviously on the, on the high levels. Um, and like you said, you know, there is an appetite for just a more recreational thing where not everyone has the time to commit to, you know, regular training and yeah. competitive leagues and weekends and all that. But there is still, I think, a, a lot of um, people out there that would just love to play, you know, a, a pick-up game once, twice a week with friends. Yeah. And we should definitely be looking at um, ways how we can, I guess, have that sort of under one sort of banner, so you get an idea of how many players there are actually out there playing um, in these sort of leagues as well. I tell you what, uh, I've uh, I've raised this before with plenty of uh, people, and uh, I drive past that area that where the causeway hits Canning Highway, 
there a lot. I, I live in Como, so I go down that way quite a bit. And if you look out to your left and just next to the park, next to the river there, there is three or four basketball courts that no matter what time, day or night, you go past yeah. there, there is people out there shooting hoops and uh, kids and it, uh, you know, older adults and everything else like that. And it made me think, why haven't we got more facilities like that for football? We go to other countries and it's talk about, you know, you yeah. see the, yeah, yeah. the cage football and everything else like that. And I guess this is part of the... I guess under the under the futsal banner too, Alex. Uh, would you like to see more kind of little recreational areas that people can just get out and have a have a local kick on the odd occasion? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be fantastic. Obviously, that would then require some funding and mm. and um, support from you know local councils or state government or whatever it is. But I think a few of those sort of facilities would be great. I actually had experienced one. In Geraldton, so they have something like that. It's a cage that's multi-purpose with basketball hoops and built-in goals for, for say, four-a-side, five-a-side um, futsal. And it's right on the beach, on the, on the foreshore there. And during summer, it's always packed. There's always people coming to play pick-up games. Yeah. Um, and, but I've never seen nothing like that in person. I think that would be something you know, pretty awesome to have and I think would definitely get people out and about, especially if it's in those areas around the beach, around, you know, vibrant areas where people get out play and then go on and do some other activities around. I can say down my way in uh, Auburn Grove, there is a park that does have uh, futsal-sized goals set up. Um, I don't know who actually set them up because it's the it would be the world's smallest futsal pitch to actually try <laughs> to play. Um, you, you literally, you know, you could side pass it from one goal to the other. So... I don't know. Someone had instructions to put some goals. I don't. I think they're not even quite aligned correctly, so they're sort of like <laughs> off centre with one another. But yeah, there is there is. Uh, so I can name you one place that does have goals that you can just rock up and have a kick around. That's not part of a, a club or anything like that. Um, I guess the advantage basketball has uh, over futsal in that case is, um, yeah, for a kick around with a football, you probably want at least three players a side, so you need at least six people, whereas basketball does lend itself very well for a one-on-one game um, or even just solo if you're just shooting hoops. I don't know if you've ever rocked yeah. up to kick mm. a soccer ball with just one friend, but it, it kind of gets a bit boring. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Pass it backward. Yeah, not, not as often with one, but yeah. usually a very strict group at the least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic, um, Alex. Just to give us a bit of a rundown of what's happening within the the local leagues, and uh, I guess what the what the structure of the local futsal leagues look like. Yeah, um, so in terms of uh, the state futsal league, it's um, the seniors, the men's and women's, mm-hmm. and then there is uh, the, from there. Then there's also the youth, the under twenties league. So we've got men's, women's under 20s, um, and then in the Super League, we've got the men's A and B and C. Now, there is opportunity for promotion or legation, but it depends on a few factors and and what teams are eligible and whatnot because some of the teams in B and C are B and C sides from clubs in A. Um, and then there's also uh, men's, uh, sorry, women's um, and juniors from or youth 20s all the way down to, I think, nines or elevens. Um, so there's quite a bit of a pathway um, for, for players that at all ages, to be honest. Okay. And, and this, this season, is it, is it, does it run, I guess, concurrently with the other Football West programs or is it is it a little bit different? Um, no, so because it's more summer-based, sure. the majority of the seasons don't 
um, clash with the the state league and NPL season proper. There is obviously overlap with some night series, um, but typically the leagues run from October to March or April, um, and then in winter there usually is a, 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 win, a sm- sort of on a smaller scale for winter comps, but. The summer is the main one. The winter is more so for players who still want to play, play in the club environment. Um, but the, the main emphasis on the summer seasons when players, particularly the ones that also come from other codes, um, are, are more available. And, and so that's why we see the summer season being, I guess, the bigger one with more teams, more players and yep. more at stake. And you do get a bit of a crossover. And uh, I think it's Tyler Garner who plays his, uh, plays his football up at um, Olympic Kingsway. He's involved with the, with the local program as well. I think he's represented Australia, hasn't he? Yeah, so well, Tyler's actually... We're from the same club, so I've been affiliated with um, Cumbia Cumbre for the last eight years. So I know him very well, and he's one of the, I guess, examples of having success at an MPL level mm. where I think he's in the state team this year and... He was um, quite high up in terms of the, um, the the awards as well, and I think he got into the players' players' team this season. So he did extremely well there, and obviously in the futsal side, he made his debut for the national team this year, and he um, played in the Asian Cup qualifiers, and the national team has qualified for the Asian Cup, which is fantastic, yep. and they'll be playing in that early next year in April, and with the opportunity to qualify for the World Cup later that year if they do well there. Um, there are there are a number of other players as well that they managed to successfully go through both. Um, they play either state league or NPL and then play futsal. Uh, there's been quite an influx of NPL players this summer season in across a number of the clubs in, in Super League that I know. I know you guys like Chock Dow who won the gold medal in yes in the NPL. He's um, at Phoenix um, in the Super League and a few other of those other teammates of his. So. Yeah, there are quite a lot of guys that are you know, spending their summer um, in the competitive football leagues, which is good to see. Yeah, very, very good, Alex. Um, mate, sorry for the mess around earlier. We'll have to uh, we'll have to leave it there. But we do appreciate you giving plenty of insights uh, this morning. And uh, obviously, uh, good luck with the transition under the new, I guess, Football West banner and how that all comes together. And we're certainly looking forward to uh, plenty of uh, great futsal news coming out of uh, out of Western Australia. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. No worries at Thanks, all. Alex. That is uh, Alex Alalovich there who... I've done it again. Um, who is the uh, chair of the standing committee. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, of I'm the, just the looking up the, uh, the, the 2024 AFC Futsal Asian Cup, which, yep. as Alex mentioned, Australia's playing in. And it's a bit strange looking at the seedings because we are seeded 15th out of 16 in that tournament. So Japan, Iran, Uzbekistan and Thailand are the top, top teams, futsal-wise. And... Unfortunately, Australia is in the bottom pot, along with Afghanistan, China, and Kyrgyzstan. Well, so. we just put so much, fo- and I think structure and engineering and everything else like that uh, plays a big role because you yeah. generally find that those cl- uh, those countries that are really really good at futsal have only got minimal space. That's, yeah, that's why they're true. good yeah. at futsal. It's, 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 uh, I know Iran does have a have long history of yes. success yep. at, at futsal, and yeah, as he said, then that's that's then for the futsal World Cup, which. To be honest, I'd love to see the Futsal World Cup on yeah. the telly. I'd be tuning into that as well. Not on SBS or anything like that, no? Not as far as I know. Um, it'd be nice if it was. Well, if any there's... SBS uh, executives are, <laughs> are listening there this morning, uh, yeah, there's certainly an interest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pete, we're going to take a break, and we're going to get to our final guest after the break. It is someone who is very, very well known in the local football uh, haunts, uh, Graham Normanton. He's going to join us next here on the World Football Program, 107.9 FM.
Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all Gate and Fence Hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. And the whole world is wondering, what's it going to take to stop this U.S. team? Easy luck. We mark Alex. What about Rose? Or Trinity? Poor bloody Rapino. Rapino scores! We could get younger players. They already did that. We have veteran experience. Listen to what you're saying. That is a world-class combination. Their flights could get cancelled. Seriously? We can steal their players. It's quite simple, really. You train for four years in an AR simulation that mimics their every move. Yeah. Initializing crystal dot. I got it. We go back in time and stop them from ever playing soccer. It's a great game. You'll love it. Wait. Are you just describing the plot of Terminator? What's it gonna take to stop this U.S. team? If they're faster, slower, rougher, nicer, eh? Play with passion, with style, with precision. Je ne sais quoi. I mean, the entire world is gonna do whatever it takes to stop the U.S. Good luck with that. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Blaine Treadgold, Pete Skeeler with you. The World Football Program Radio, Fremantle 107.9. Big thank you to our partners, futsalwa.org.au. Great to have a chat with Alex Lalovich a little bit earlier on. Of course, it is Perth's premier futsal competition. Big thank you, of course, to Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and also the Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Pete, we couldn't do it without our great sponsors. Oh, no, absolutely not. So fantastic that we can uh, waffle on and chew the fat every... <laughs> Talk football. Exactly, every Saturday morning. And, uh, of course, we need our great uh, sponsors to get uh, to get on board with that. And, uh, look, if you're listening this morning and you do want to help out community yep. radio and community football and everything else like that, make sure you get hold of the good folk here at Radio Fremantle 107.9. Um, we're endeavouring to get hold of Graham Normanton. Um, sun's out. It's- Blue sky, everyone's probably gone to the beach. I think that's what it is. We're the only two suckers inside. that are sitting inside. Yeah. yeah, I know everyone's sitting down there with a nice uh, cold drink or a uh, an and nice, their radio a on nice radio coffee. Free uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the audience would be absolutely huge this morning. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, I guess let's talk a little bit uh, more about the Perth Glory women yep. because they're the talk of the town at the moment, and they are absolutely the 
the flag, oh, yeah. you know, flag uh, bearers off the off the club at the moment, and it's no disrespect to the men, but we we love to see when the when the girls do do well. Yeah. And uh, I really like what Alex has built with this side. Yeah, I was a bit well. He he came over during COVID. Oh, sorry, not came over. But, you know, we signed him up, and then COVID hit, and everything went pear shaped. Um, and you know, Glory got kind of screwed over by COVID in twenty twenty one as terrible. well. We had you know just yeah. It, yeah. So, um, you know, last year I was a bit disappointed um, with the fact the girls didn't make finals. It was like, this is, okay, there's no excuses. We've had, you know, we've COVID's yeah. free. We're not on lockdowns, anything like that. We can get to the end. I think, if I recall correctly, I think we finished just outside of the finals. So I could just look it up. But, um, you know, so I was a bit like... Oh, yeah, so the COVID year they missed out on goal difference. And ah. then last year I think they missed out by a game, game and a half or something like that. Yep. That, oh, in fact, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, oh, uh, one point off, but actually in sixth place because that's how close the, yeah. the ladder was. Yeah. Um, you know, so this season now um, the girls are flying and... As as we were talking about, you know, coaches always get the the negative comments. Oh, I'm happy to eat any humble pie now. I think he's he's done a bang up job. And I was I wasn't overly harsh before, but I was just a bit like, oh, I felt we could have done better. We can get very impatient as football fans, can't we? We expect, yeah. and even with Alan Stajic at the moment at, at the men's program, we yep. expect all of a sudden Alan Stajic, yeah, he's a great manager. Yeah, but. You don't just get you don't just go from you know. Well, I think he also was signed. Um, I don't know how much uh, choice he had with regards to the squad, as what I'm saying. Oh, he like certainly he's, inherited, he's so- yeah, that's, inherited that's, that's Ruben Zakovic's yeah, squad. But we expect instant results. And I think A League fans and Australian football fans, in, very, in particular, we can be very, very impatient. Oh, I don't think it's restricted to us. I think everyone's like that, any, any football fan. I don't think you've. I think it would, it'd be very rare to find a football fan that's like, well, I hope we win in a few years' time. No, no, no we want to win I, today. I guess what, my, my perspective is even if Alan Stajic comes in, Alex Aparkas is flying, the new ownership gets over the line, it's still going to take two, three, four years to build, yeah, to, to do, implement yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think just because someone's come in, they aren't going to turn it around like that. And someone like an Alex and uh, Alan Stajic, they're very, very process-driven. They don't think... We, we always think as fans about the end result. Yeah, exactly. That they think about what they're going to be the doing process, yeah. this morning yep. and how they can build by build by build by build daily yes. to be able to get to that end result that the fans are dreaming of. Exactly, yeah. I so, I'd agree there, yeah. It's just a different process. And, and as I said, I think that kind of builds in. I think in Perth Glory's position at the moment, particularly the men's program, I think fans should just be looking for that incremental progression. And there, there certainly is some promising signs with a lot of the young players yeah. we've got. Yeah. Um, and you also touched on it. Kind of worth mentioning the the sale of the glory did fall over yes. this week. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people are very disappointed. Um, personally, I'm sort of of the opinion that I'd prefer it to fall over now than the sale to go through and then find out that these mob that's bought yeah. us are insolvent. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, you know, whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not as disappointed. Like, it's, I'd be look I'd, nice to get the ownership matter resolved, but I'd still rather uh, dot the i's and cross the t's first. 
My concern, and I think many, it's echoed with many other people, is the we, we kind of scratch our heads when we see it all, the owners parading around in Perth Glory shirts and yep, yep. down at the local state football centre yep. and saying g'day to everyone as the new owners, but it's not actually over the line yet. But, yeah, and, and yeah, that, exactly. was the, that, that was a bit strange, yeah. I, I guess that's where yeah I, I, I had me kind of scratching my head when it did fall over. I was like, hold on, see how? <laughs> I thought it was a done deal. First things first, you yeah. know. Let's uh, let's get the documents signed first. Um, but I mean, as I said, I think uh, throughout the week, I think it's important too that we do if we've got any concerns with this that we're barking up the right tree because. It's not the Perth Glory staff. This was a transaction between the APL. Yes, yeah, yeah. no, that's right. Yeah, it's it's well, nothing so. against Perth Glory. No, this no. particular thing is an ownership matter, yeah, and it doesn't really affect us in terms of people that turn up to match day mm. and, and cheer the team on. Yeah, no, hundred percent right, hundred percent right. Uh, it's disappointing, but uh, yeah, I certainly take your point. Better now than yeah, um, than later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously that was due to preconditions not being met. Yes, we'll and kind of read into that whatever yeah, you want. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we had a chat with uh, Anthony Radich earlier this week, and uh, I guess the next process is they basically go back to the other bidders, and I, and I believe there there was well, you know, read into it as much as you want. They there did seem to be a number of uh, bidders, a number of options. So hopefully it still gets resolved because I believe there's is it Newcastle Jets are also still. Well, they've been um, they've they been have been for quite a while, yeah. for years yeah. now. So, uh, um, yeah, interesting time. Um, what we can do though is uh, we were talking a little bit about Alexa Parkas. Let's just take in uh, what Alexa Parkas had to say ahead of this big test tonight because he does believe it's going to be uh, testing themselves at that next level, and I think victory is certainly that team. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's incrementally building for the Perth Glory women. Here's a little bit of Alexa Parkas. Uh, it's a huge milestone and. One that you know, I'm really happy for her. Uh, the impact she has on this team since I've been here, in, in particular over the last couple of years, has been unbelievable. Uh, I don't think there'd be enough words to really put into action or put into place that would describe how much she's done for the team. Her, her personal values and, and what she brings just really resonates throughout the group and there's a real clear link between the identity of our team and what she is and her personality and I really love that. And you know, I'm really happy for her this, this week in particular with the milestone and uh, I think she's been a big part of what we've been building towards over the last couple of years. It's been a bit of an unusual sort of career. It's one that's sort of developed, I guess, a little bit later and um, how important do you think that she's been as far as being like a consistent kind of figure that probably hasn't come in and out due to international duties yeah. and that sort of thing? Oh, look, I think that that's a, that makes a story even more... Um, you know, important because coming as a country girl, young country girl into a system, you know, later on, that's not easy. Um, and I think that that's perfectly Tash though, because she is such a competitor and she really has this fierce mentality where I'm just going to be the hardest worker and I'm going to put everything into the team. And those attributes, they're not gained in a, you know, in a youth development framework there. That's from the grit. And, um, again, that's why I think she perfectly fits Perth Glory and what we are as a team and what we want to be. Um, and I think the reality is, yeah, she hasn't had, you know, the, the opportunity yet maybe to go and play in, in international camps and things like that, but she's 100% in, in for Perth Glory 100% of the time. So it works in our favour, but I, I believe that 
at some stage uh, an opportunity like that wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be wrong. It'd be perfect for her. Um, maybe Melbourne victory as well. What's been your take on them? Well, I mean, what can you say? Melbourne, are, they've got close to 300 Matildas caps sprinkled throughout the team. They've got the most experienced coach in the competition. They even train out of the home of the Matildas. So you look at that and you think, this is going to be a big test. But I know that my team and, and my players are really up for this. We've been playing some really good football and some of the things that we focus on as a, as a playing group are coming to life in games. And this is another opportunity just to ramp it up and go another level. Um, Alex, just in terms of Melbourne Injury had been for so long, you know, one of the benchmarks of the competition, you alluded to it there with Matilda's caps, mm. you know, Jeff Hopkins, obviously. Um, is there a desire within the team, you sense, to kind of really make a statement? Obviously, you've won four in a row to start the season, but is there kind of... Does the team want to kind of you know, show, the, show the rest of the league what they're about? Yeah, as I said, look, when you have that much experience and quality, uh, both on and off the field, that they do, every opportunity to play against them is a good one because you really get to test yourselves and the players get to test themselves. I get to test myself as a coach. <clears throat> I wouldn't say we particularly want to make a statement more so than any other week. We just want to keep doing what we do. As I mentioned, there's a lot of things in our playing style at the moment that are at a really good level. And there's a few things that we can tweak um, and, and just get a little bit more out of. And I'm, I'm really certain that if we do that, uh, the statement will come as a byproduct of our performance. And it doesn't matter whether it's all in victory or anyone else. It, it will just be whoever's in front of us at that point in time. But we're, it's a big challenge and we're really excited for it. Is there a sense you've gone from being a hunter to the hunted yet? Uh, maybe externally. But inside our four walls, we, we're just going to keep chasing improvements in our game that we need to and that's our focus I think if we worry too much about those external things as cliche as it sounds you you start to get distracted and head of yourself there you go uh, that is Alex Aparkas speaking ahead of the big clash tonight 7 p.m. Pete Macedonia Park it should be absolutely roaring I know I that Tash Rigby's going to yep. have all her family and friends down there to celebrate her 100th, 100th appearance. Yep. So, uh, yeah, as I said, we can't bang on about that anymore. It's absolutely <laughs> fantastic to see her and uh, fantastic to see the recognition more so. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, we were endeavouring to try and speak to Graham Normanson this morning, but uh, unfortunately, uh, as I said, everyone's down the be, beach. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to just have a bit of a sift through what's happening in the local yep. leagues because there's yep. been a fair bit of movement. And I think one of the clubs where there has been a bit of movement, at least in the men's NPL slash State League, is the Sorrento Football Club, who were relegated last year, but um, they're not messing around. Yeah, they're looking to bounce straight back. Absolutely, they are. So the signing of Neil Kilkenny mm-hmm. is ex, a huge one. Ex-Glory, ex-Western yep. United, ex... Oh, a couple well, of other teams Leeds, over there. Birmingham, yeah. Bristol. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I'm just going so yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, huge, huge. Uh, so, they'll be under the tutelage again of um, Steve McGarry. Yep. So, uh, Sean Kilkelly returns, not Kilkenny, Kilkelly. <laughs> Uh, returns. He's going to take up a coaching role there. Uh, we've also got Hamza Hina, who was just, uh, well, probably the, one of the best players for Fremantle City as they got yep. promoted to the NPL. So um, it's similar, it's interesting that he uh, wants to stick around in League One. Yep. Um, and uh, a name that we haven't heard from for a while, but T-Boy Camera, mm. who was doing his thing at Bayswater. But you mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, yeah, he, he's of one course... of the youngest ever players in the A-League. Um, you know, for, as you said, for Adelaide, uh, Adelaide United, yep. came on at 15 years uh, there's only been two younger since then. Okay. There you go.
yeah, no, very good. So a little bit of movement across uh, across the uh, MPL, and uh, I even noticed that Andy Keo has just signed for Dianella White Eagles in I State Div Two, State Div One, State Div Two. Yeah, anyway, in the State League. Yeah. I so that as well, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I I really like the idea of ex professionals going back and just giving a little bit back at that level. Yeah, I, and I, look, I'm not again going to compare football with other sports. He said, proceeding to compare football. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, like in, in Aussie rules, say in the AFL, if a player retires from the Eagles, do they then go and play? At the, as far as I know, yeah, they do, yeah, do they? Yeah, okay. I think... Um, at the Waffle Club? Or? Yeah, well, who was it? Uh, Josh Kennedy went and played up at his local okay. hometown up oh, in well, Northampton. Well, well. So it's you not do, just... You do not see it. I don't think football. we see it enough in football myself. Yeah. But yeah, true. it's going to be fantastic to see, like, you know, Lee Griffiths at Mandurah and Liam Reddy at Red Star and yeah, yeah, Neil a, Kilkenny at Sorrento. And, yeah, I really like that. I really like that. Um, we're just about set to wrap things up. I think we're all done. Okay. Uh, big thank you to all of our sponsors. Big thank you to all of our guests. And uh, big thank you to you. The listener, it's been great to have your company throughout the morning and uh, plenty more to come for your afternoon programming here on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Uh, I've just got to, uh, all I've got to do now is hit the outro and I think we're just about set. So have yourselves a wonderful afternoon. We'll get there eventually. We'll get there. All right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.